Noteworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. My name is Todd Perry, and this is the Upworthy Weekly Podcast. I'm a staff writer here at Upworthy, but most importantly, with me right now is the wonderful Allison Rosen. You know her from the podcast. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Hello. I know. Usually, I hit you with more I credits, know. but not today. We have too, too much. We have too much no to get to. No time right for now. credits, Todd. It's okay. If they care, they can look it up. Uh, on today's show, we're going to go over some of the most compelling and fun, upworthy stories from the week of November 7th to the 11th. But before we get into that, Upworthy is part of the good news this week. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> we put out a an announcement this week that started with, in a recent poll of our followers, we found that child hunger is the issue they care most about. So today we're doing something about it. We've joined forces with humanitarian snack brand This Saves Lives to end child hunger. And then we got a message from the person who co-founded This Saves Lives, none other than everybody's favorite, America's sweetheart, the star of one of my favorite shows. What was that show? Yeah, you know that show where they all they all die. Oh, spoiler alert. Okay, anyway, Kristen. <laughs> okay, people doing good things announcement. Today, two of the kindest companies I know are coming together to join forces and do something really special. First of all, Upworthy, which is where I go when I want a happy cry. Their content mm-hmm. always makes my day better because they make sure that you can see the best of humanity. And This Saves Lives. This Saves Lives makes the yummiest snacks for the whole family, and every purchase sends life-saving food to a child in need around the world. We've already given away 30 million packets of food aid to kiddos, even here in the U.S., and and they are coming together to fight child hunger. Will you join us? It's easy and delicious. So everybody out there, you heard, you heard Kristen Bell. Now, she asked, will you join her? And I know everybody wants to join Kristen Bell and what she's up to. So what you do is you go to thissaveslives.com. And there, and at a bunch of retail stores around the country, you can buy these like snack bars. So it's like you get, say, you know, like you're buying granola bars and you get like 12 in a box and then you eat them up and they're yummy. But the cool thing is for every snack bar, uh, This Saves Lives donates one little packet of life-saving food to kids who are suffering from malnutrition around the world. And these little packets, if they have, I don't remember the exact number, but it's like 30 or something, over a certain period of time, they're known to completely come back and um, gain weight and gain nourishment and uh, be able to be happy, healthy kids. So the cool thing is... Uh, Upworthy's parent company, Good Worldwide, has bought The Saves Lives to pump it up, to really get this thing going and get it out there and continue the work that Kristen Bell was doing. So that's our good news, is Upworthy doing something really great for child hunger. I love that. I love that. Now, I am wanting to ask, what is the TV show that you were referring to before? However, since you gave out a huge spoiler, I probably should not be asking on air what's the name of the show, even though I think I know it in my mind. So I'm just going to let that hang in the air because you just created a huge faux pas, Todd, right? I should, I should not be pushing to find out the title. No, I think that if you watch The Good Place, you find oh, out that they're all dead. Okay. That's not uh, the one. That's a, not even the one I was thinking of, because I completely forgot okay. about that show. Um, 
excuse me, that sounds like a huge insult. And I should not be insulting someone like Kristen Bell, who everyone loves and I love too. Um, For some reason, my mind was going to Veronica Mars. And I was like, they were all dead. That makes no sense. Yes, of course, the good place. Uh, And also, I want everyone to know how enamored you are of the celebrities that are involved with Upworthy and Good. And Kristen Bell is like way up there. Also, Jennifer Garner. Anytime any celebrity has any involvement with Upworthy and Good, Todd is on cloud nine. Okay, so I might have <laughs> a little low-grade low Kristen Bell crush. Uh, also a Jennifer Garner crush. Um, and also we've heard that The Rock mm. follows Upworthy yeah. on Instagram. And I think I did really show how open-minded I am by saying that pictures of him in a wet shirt holding a puppy was was definitely, you know, eye-catching. <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm for all of it. You're here for it. But, yeah. So what? one more thing, mm-hmm. Allison, before we start the show today, which we have a ton of great stories to get to. But I was looking at the analytics for this podcast because, you know, sometimes I take off my... Uh, host hat and I go into like producer right. hat uh, which is the same hat mm. and I was looking at them and the strangest thing I saw was the number one city for people who listen to this show like not like per capita just just the right pure number amount of people isn't New York City okay. which is a big city right. obviously isn't Los Angeles that was like way down the list number one is Seattle that's surprising so Seattle loves Upworthy Weekly, and I was just like, "What? Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you, Seattle. Thank you, Seattle." And then I realized I've never been there. I, I, I have. And do they really do the thing where they throw fish? At they you know, do. You go to the market Pikes, yes. and they're just chucking fish everywhere. Well, I mean, let me put it this way: I did go. I think it's okay. I've only been to. I've been to Seattle. Twice. I have not spent extensive time there. My podcast performed at Bumbershoot, which is this big festival. And then also when I was on the Adam Carolla show, we were there once or twice. So I've only been there for work. I have not spent a lot of leisure time there. I have friends who live there. Not enough to make it number one, though. Uh, And so there's like, I believe it's called Pike's Place Market, um, which is like a big sort of bazaar. And not B-I-Z-A. R-R-E, but like a bazaar. Uh, and they do throw a fish, but like I didn't get hit by a fish or anything. So it's not like every, it's not okay. like there's, it's not like Swedish fish style. There's not tons of fish flying everywhere, but I do think they will throw. Okay. A, and, and if anyone remembers real world Seattle, which was number one in my heart for real world. I also like real world London quite a bit, but real world Seattle was really up there. They throw a fish in the opening credits. Um, but since Seattle is welcoming us with open arms, I think we should go there, catch some fish, do a live Upwardly Weekly podcast, and just be like heralded as the celebrities that we... Kristen Bell is to Todd Perry as Todd Perry and Allison Rosen are to Seattle. Oh, man. I mean, just imagine that, like they're having like a Seattle Kraken yeah. game, and like we like ceremoniously like drop yes. the puck, or like... like and the Zamboni driver during halftime today is Allison yeah, Rosen. Yeah, I like drive like, into the way. wall or something. Yeah. Um, look, Seattle is gray and drizzly. And there's a thing called the Seattle freeze, which is how 
they can be a little standoffish. So I think they especially mm. need our positive stories delivered with wit and charm. Mm. That's me. Mm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, sarcasm. That's also me. And whatever you no, bring. No. Um, Hats. One hat. Yes. Uh, one hat. One multitasking and, and I, uh, hat. I edit the audio. <laughs> and an editing software program. And, you know, I'm just bland enough mm. that it cuts your uh, your your My tremendous spice. personality. If, yeah. <laughs> You're so anyway, you're the get, yogurt to my cumin. <laughs> they always say. Never, never, never heard it that way. So with that, Allison, what kind of great upworthy news stories do we have? All today? right. Well, the first story involves thinking about thinking, which is the exact kind mm-hmm. of thing I like to think about thinking about thinking. This is the exact kind of thing I like to exhaust people with. Uh, and it's very upworthy. Um, so this woman, Colleen Carswell, thought uh, she knew what an inner monologue was. You know, her your whole you, by the time you're an adult, you have a pretty good sense of what your brain does and and your own thoughts and like what they're like and stuff. And she thought that she mm-hmm. had a sense of her own inner monologue and when people say the the term inner monologue, what that means. Uh, and then she was having a conversation with her husband, and she found out that. When he thinks, for him, an inner monologue involves hearing other people's voices. So when he thinks about, you know, his sister speaking or when he's reading a book, the character's voices are different voices than his own. It's not him reading the words. The characters are in different voices or he's, you know, when his Mm -hmm. sister's talking in his mind, it's his sister's voice. It's different. You know, it's different people's voices. And she was just stunned by this because she doesn't hear that. Uh, And I believe we have a clip. Well, wait, hang on. (laughs) Hang on. Let me get to this. She has something called, she experiences something called aphantasia, which is a lack of a mind's eye. Uh, Anyway, she took to TikTok to discuss this phenomenon and she sort of wanted to find out what other people experience. And we have a clip, which might, evidently repeat some of the things I already said. Let's hear it again. So I recently learned that my husband of nearly 11 years thinks entirely differently than me. And I'm having a really hard time understanding and processing, and I would love some opinions. So a few weeks ago, I posted about how I have aphantasia, which is basically just the inability to form mental images in your mind. It affects a very small percentage of us, about 2 to 5% somewhere in there. Most other people can see, but it's on a spectrum where some people see faint images. Some people can see really vividly where a whole movie is playing out in their mind's eye. So I posted about that, got a lot of great insight into how all of our minds work so differently. However, something kept coming up over and over and over again, which I have heard in the Aphantasia community, but I've just kind of like bypassed it in this concept of inner dialogue or inner monologue, right? Where people, from what I'm gathering, people can hear in their mind. And I have thoughts. So I just thought, yeah, I've got this inner monologue, but people are actually hearing is what it sounds like. Not like hearing, like I hear my kids in the background here, but like hearing inside their head, hearing internally, hearing their own voice. So I got really curious. 
So, okay, real, real quick, before we break down what's mm. going on here, uh, if you listen to the audio, you can notice she's recording herself while driving. It's not safe. Well, I'm just, well, my my question is why is it like eighty five percent of TikTok videos mm. involve somebody driving their car while they're making their point? I don't know, but it's not just that. It's also like someone peeling an orange. Or like, I feel like to be popular on TikTok, this is a real tangent, but to be popular on TikTok, it's like it's like they took a class and someone's like, to be popular on TikTok, you got to be doing a piece of business, a piece of physical business while you convey mm. your point. So people who are, and I, it's, I assume it has to be related in some way, but like they never drive the point home but people who are offering like diet or food advice are always like preparing food but then they never eat it they just well maybe they're doing multiple takes and if they eat it then they you know but my point is what well, and like you always see people and they have a like their their photos like on facebook mm-hmm. or whatever is them in their car yeah. well car just always car lighting weird. is good and it's Oh, it's, is that way? Yes, Todd. And you have privacy. And everyone knows you do your best thinking in the car or the shower. Mm. That's where I do my best thinking. So I think that might be it. But, you know, you shouldn't be driving while you're TikToking. Yeah. I and Maybe that'll be my next TikTok, just like me in my car, just Getting what, what I'm thinking about. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, getting back to this internal monologue thing. Allison, mm. do you think in words? Yes. Essentially, she's getting to the point. Like, do you think in words, or do you think in like kind of concepts right. or vague notions of things? And so, you think in yes. words. I everything. I I have movies and words and very, but very flushed out conversations and very wordy very detailed words and I'm constantly in my mind going on talk shows and maybe it's embarrassing. I'm constantly being interviewed about like my method for doing the most mundane things. And I mean, it's a, I've got a whole life going on in my mind and with a lot of words and images. Right. And I'd imagine like we're doing this, doing a podcast before, you know, we go into record or whatever. I'm thinking over how to tell the story and I'm hearing my voice in yes. my head. And then I, I'm hearing you go, oh, my God, that was so amazing, Todd. You're so wildly talented. How did you come up with that? I go, oh, well, it was so easy. But actually, you know, I work kind of hard mm-hmm. on that because I was thinking hard on it, Alice, and I'm really glad you appreciate it. And that's kind of what's going on in my brain. Right. I mean, some things are kind of notions or like, you know, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, before their faces melt and they open up the ark and there's like a, they're looking and it's like the sand, but it's like there's like some kind of clouds and some kind of nebula. Mm. Like sometimes in my brain, there's like a nebula. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's like a, an idea in the nebula, but it's not really in a word yet. But I know what it feels right. like and what it means. Right. You mm, get me? Yes. And then my mind is a nebula. Allison. <laughs> <laughs> like such a horrible human being. But then sometimes it's actual thinking and thoughts and like, oh, gee, Todd, you're an idiot. Or, gee, oh, you look kind of nice today mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, and, and that's the way it goes. But it's weird to think that maybe some people, this is what I'm taking from this lady in her car who drives while recording herself. And her ne- last name is Carswell. Colleen mm. Carswell. Car, car, she Carswell. 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 Yeah. yeah. 
So I'm thinking she's all nebula, right? In the in the brain, no, all nebula, no words, yeah. right? Because she was saying she doesn't form mental images, and she doesn't. Does she or does she not hear her own voice in her brain? She doesn't. Okay. She doesn't hear it. Interesting, but she has thoughts. Hmm. Hopefully, I think she does. So now this might be bad, but I'm gonna say it. I'm worried. Do you think, do you think... I do. In words? Or do you think, no. Um, when you're, when you think about this, do you think maybe people who think with words are possibly more intelligent than people who can't quite get to the word phase? Like they're, they're just dealing with vague concepts in their own brain? Or maybe they're just more abstract? Or is it, is there something, or is it just like a spectrum where it's all good? Or... You know, did Einstein think in words or have the nebula or the word and nebula thing going yeah, on? Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, I don't know. Of course, there's a temptation to be like that. Like whoever does it exactly like me, that's the most intelligent way. Right. But mm-hmm. but there's also a temptation to think that super intelligent scientific people are doing whatever they're doing so fast and on so many different levels that it's like some kind of supercomputer in there and they're just like beep, 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 and it's beyond words. And, you know, I, I have no idea what it must be like to be doing equations in your mind. And I don't know if that is um, parsed with words or what that even, what that even must, if that's just images. So I guess that's a very long winded way of saying I don't necessarily, as much as I want to say the way that we do it is the most intelligent, I don't necessarily think that. I think that there, I think that it's not a function of intelligence. Necessarily. Okay. Me, okay, how about this? How about if the science, the science mm. people out there, like the Neil deGrasse Tysons sure. and the uh, Dr. Oz's of oh, the world. Oh, Mehmet? Yeah. You think that maybe they have thoughts and they're in words, but the words are in Latin. (laughs) Does that make them more intelligent is the question? Upworthy Weekly. Third graders write letters to God with some very important questions and they're adorably innocent. A third grade teacher asked some of her students to write letters to God with whatever questions they might have for the Almighty. And as you can imagine, the kids' seriously intended queries were all kinds of comedic gold as they penned letters that were equal parts adorable, hilarious, and head-scratching. Now, the, the, the problem is with this, uh, we, there are many cute questions, which we're going to get to, and that's the fun part of this story, and that's the very upworthy part of the story, is kids have wonderful imaginations, but also uh, can be very honest when, you know, adults like us can get tied up in knots with matters of theology. Kids just say it flat out, which is great. Um, but the problem about this article was, as far as I know, or as far and as far as the writer of this story knows, um, God never responded to the questions. Rude. Yeah, so there was no, like, you know, the kids wrote them, and then on Facebook it was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just like this, God, yeah. or... Read your Bible, right. God, or, or like B- you need to pray yeah. on it. Or BRB yeah. Out, yeah. out to lunch. Yeah, BRB, yeah. Um, 
so I thought to myself, I go, okay, I'm going to read these cute questions. And then to kind of finish off the story, maybe that Allison, if you could answer them, uh, posing as the Almighty. Okay. You know, like sometimes you have like during Christmas time, Santa Claus can't be at your local mm. shopping mall. So then like one of his representatives goes to the mall and dresses like a Santa. Right. So I am like an emissary, a representative of God on this podcast. Correct. Kind of, you're like, you're kind of like the Pope. Perfect. Well, then I would be speaking in Latin now, wouldn't I? Enos, dead odias. See, what we need is, as I've said. Yes, we do. We need a... A Herman's head of uh, yeah. uh, experts. Yeah. Possibly the Pope. We, that would be, yeah. you know, have Francis on there. Let's throw it to the Pope. Pope, uh, what would God say about this question? Okay. So I'm going to answer the I'm going to ask the question, then you uh, answer as God, just to give these kids some sense of clarity. Okay. So you put, put on your God outfit and your God beard and your, your God robe. And your uh, your God golden crown, mm. and your long God finger from that painting where he has where the God's pointing at like humanity or something. I'm unfamiliar and with. They're doing like the ET. Yeah, I you know I feel like my God knowledge is lacking, but I think that's okay because just as the children are innocent, I'm gonna tap into the God that exists within. It's I have my own innocent godliness. Mm-hmm. The Godhead, as the Hindus would call yes. it. So, mm. uh, the question is, dear God, yes. I am a, m- dear God. Yes, son. I am American. What are you? I am also American, and also everything. <laughs> what? It's actually the wrong. This answer. is a game show. Um, uh, the correct answer is that actually God is is uh, an Israeli. God is from Israel. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. It's you're doing you're doing well. You're doing well. The I am everywhere. That was pretty Everyth- close. I, that, I think I was, said I'm everything. Yeah, it's kind of vague though. Well, that's that so, not a point. No. Okay. Uh, dear God, on Halloween I'm going to wear a devil's costume. Is that right with you? I don't love it. I will allow it. What? Okay. Uh, actually, no. <laughs> um, what is the actual answer? It is uh, not uh, impersonating the devil uh, violates the God bylaw pursuant to section A13R19. And that says, thou shalt not impersonate Memphistopolis even in jest or in an attempt to intimidate people into handing over candy or any food did you say Memphistopheles like it like like Mephistopheles in Memphis Memphistopheles that's that's I actually do a a satanic Elvis cover band (laughs) Memphistopheles all right yes boy I'm not doing great as the as a god impersonator 
Yeah. Well, let's see. Well, maybe you can get back. There's there's two more. Uh, Dear God, my grandpa says you were around when he was a little boy. How far back do you go? Love, Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Thank you for your question. Now, okay, sidebar. If, as God, I would say to Dennis, I go all the way back, and I would just leave it at that. However, since we're being really like read the fine print here, I think the actual answer, so that I don't get buzzed, like that game of operation, is like, I go, I'm about 6,000 years old or something. Oh, wait, no, the earth is 6,000 years old. I don't know how old I am. I am infinite. Right? Oh, crap. Crap doodles. Uh, Sorry again. Sorry again. The, The answer is 1172. That's how old uh, God is. Now, th- yeah, that you, yeah, he's from eleven seventy two. Now the difference is that's eleven seventy two in God oh. years, which is different than human years. So it's, he's working on a different calendar, but he was born in eleven seventy two in God time. Where, where, where did you find this info? In my book? Did I write this in my book yeah. and I just forgot because I'm so old? You don't, even, you don't even read your own book. I think it could have been ghost written, though. You <laughs> yeah, know? by that James fellow. You know how yeah. it is. You're celebrating 1171 for two years and you get confused. All yeah. right. All right. Last mm-hmm. one here. Dear yes. God, how come you didn't invent any new animals lately? We still have just all the old ones from Johnny. I created the dog, and it was so perfect, I figured, quit while you're ahead. Oh. Oh. You know. (laughs) (laughs) No, the the correct answer is, um, if you're paying attention, uh, God is not creating any new animals because he's doing his best to remove as many as possible from the current planet. Um... If you look around, we have mass extinctions. Clearly, he made too many and is probably planning another flood to get rid of everybody again. I am doing that. That is what I'm doing. You're on to me. Darn. Upworthy Weekly. Here's why Dean and I don't teach our girls about strangers or... Whoa. Someone has a happy uh, audio trigger finger there, don't they, Todd? So a mom and a life coach named Marcy Whalen has gone viral because she says she's not teaching her kids about stranger danger. Uh, stranger danger is a popular phrase and a popular concept, which is where you teach your kids to essentially stay away from strangers, to be afraid of strangers in order to keep them safe, to keep them from being, you know, kidnapped, which I remember as a little kid being very afraid. Kidnapping was something which it's very, obviously, I don't mean to minimize it, but it's very rare. But it's something that I was very, very afraid of, like all the time. I think in my mind it was it was a real threat. 
Um, and I remember, mm-hmm. you know, looking at missing children on milk cartons and and oh, all yeah. of that. I remember reaching an age and thinking like, I'm at an age where it would no longer happen to me and feeling very relieved. This was, you know, before the popularity of true crime podcasts. And I, you know, at which point I realized like, oh, no, danger is always out there. <laughs> but specifically the stranger danger thing. Uh, anyway, we have audio. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking about, I was freaked out about that because of that movie, I Know My First Name is Steven. Yes, with Corin Corky Nemec, who I've had on my podcast, who retweets my tweets and we follow each other on Twitter. I That was a Ooh. very, that was based on a real story. And that was a very upsetting movie yeah. that I watched repeatedly. Yeah. About Steven yeah. Stainer. Yeah. Here's why Dean and I don't teach our girls about strangers or stranger danger. And while that can be healthy, and I understand where it's coming from, right? Parents are trying to protect their kids, keep them safe. But most people are good people. And we want our girls to be outgoing and have conversations with people and to, in general, you know, be hospitable to those around them. And so instead of talking about strangers, we talk about strange behavior. Because the thing is, children are most often abused or hurt by people they know. Whether it's a close family member or an acquaintance, it's very rarely a stranger. And so I want my kids to understand what strange behavior is asking them to keep a secret oh this, this is just between you and i don't tell your parents that's strange behavior asking them to go somewhere without their mom and dad strange behavior and my girls understand what to look for whether it's in somebody they know really well or somebody they don't know at all it's categorized as strange behavior and therefore their red flags go up anybody can have strange behavior whether we know them or not and when that starts to happen they are immediately to come to us that's brilliant yeah. There you go. Most times when something bad happens, it is someone they know. Yeah, you know, we have uh, we have not really hammered the stranger danger thing point home either. I think because I haven't wanted to frighten my kids. Well, also it's been a pandemic, so it's like they haven't been away from, from us at all. There hasn't <laughs> been a need. And I just haven't wanted to frighten them Um either so i don't know how have you how have you handled it well you know i think one way we can do it is you could say hey uh todd's coming over with his vhs collection <laughs> and I'll, I'll bring over my tape of i know my first name is mm-hmm. steven and then we can all watch it i'll bring my kid we'll have some popcorn and then you know turn off the vhs at the end and be like are there any right. questions yes i know my first name is steven our, our thing is more like my kid is so friendly. Mm-hmm. He walks up to random people and just like, "Can I be your friend? Can I be your yeah. friend?" Like he is so friendly that it's almost like we have to kind of teach him just not to, you know, how to approach mm-hmm. people in a little more kind of less assertive manner. Right. Uh, but I haven't really done the stranger danger thing either because, uh, I, I again, I don't want him to be afraid of people. I know, but I love this. I love this because you're giving kids. Re- uh, Real strategies for dealing with it, because again, if something bad's going to happen, it may be somebody mm-hmm. they know. You know, and I, it would be cool if this gal put out a list of like what are the strange things, like like if you see anybody that drives up and says, "Can you help me find my puppy?" Yes, I think that I think yeah, that was in the story. It was like, um, you know, do you want some candy? Do, would you like to meet a puppy? Those kind of things are things to be aware yeah. of. Yeah, like white vans. Mm. Anybody in a white van yeah, usually a white van. no good. 
anybody named Klaus? Because <laughs> is that typically a name? No. Okay. When I was a kid, when I was like ten years old, my my mother, you know, very religious. And we went to this church, and there was like this foreign exchange guy named Klaus, and he was like twenty two, and he went to the church, and he was very religious, and he took a shine to me, a ten year old mm. boy. And I remember like we went to like church family camp and he wanted and asked my mom if I could stay in his cabin with him. And my mom was like, yeah, that's what? fine. And then, yeah, and then it was like, oh, Todd, do you want to go on a long, you know, hike? Okay. And it was like, this guy was trying to like crowd and monopolize all mm, my time. Trying to separate you. And he was like, yeah, a, yeah and like a 22 year old guy. Mm. And nobody thought this was weird. Right. And then... I I remember like he he would come over to our house and make German pancakes and then want to play catch with me and just like play like like my mm-hmm. buddy, you know. And then he went back to Germany and he was like crying mm. that he was having to leave me. And it was like then I thought this guy makes me uncomfortable. Mm. Right. But I was like a nice kid. Right. You know, so I don't want to like, I was like, this guy makes me uncomfortable. This is mm-hmm. weird. And now that I'm old, I'm like, oh my God. Like, if some 22 year old guy was like, oh, I want to go take Declan on a hike or I want to come over and play catch with Declan right. and stuff, I'd be like, I don't know, man. Maybe you should be playing with some people your yeah. age. So it was really strange. And then he found me years later. This was, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight years ago. He found me and sent me an email. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, because he had been trying to get me to come to Germany to come live with him for a while and stuff when I was a kid. Like, super weirdo, That's right? Strange. So, so we eventually just like kind of cut the yeah. guy off, and then he found me mm-hmm. again and wanted to talk. And I was like, he sent me his Skype mm-hmm. thing. And his Skype picture was Freddie Highmore, like the child actor. Uh-huh. I was like, weird. Who's- when he was a child, I don't actor. know. I'm not familiar with Freddie Highmore. He played Norman Bates, oh. but he was like famous for like Finding Neverland. Oh, okay. So, so I had like a, a kid yeah. as his photo, yeah. and so then I was like, no, I'm mm. not. I was just curious to see like what's now that I'm an old adult, right. what's up with this weirdo? Right. And then um, now I, uh, yeah, when I saw the Freddie Highmore thing, I was like, mm-hmm. no, no, but yeah, very weird, and I'm like. This was strange behavior, you right. know. Have you talked to your mom and about talk- it or anything, or any adults, and like to say she, my mom to say what was no their, my mom just, at the time. I asked my mom. She was like, "Yeah, he was kind of weird," mm-hmm. but nothing. <laughs> but nothing other than like he never did. There was nothing. Nothing physical ever happened that you remember. No, 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 but. It was just a lot of like almost like emotional, yeah. like someone is treating you like you're a significant right. other or something. Yeah. When yeah, mm. like so that was really weird. Yeah. But the fact that he was like crying, mm-hmm. I'm going to miss you, Todd. It was like weird. Right. But again, hindsight, mm-hmm. like oh my, like what was up with that? Yeah. You know why? Why was every adult fine right. with this? You right. Know? Right, and I wonder. It's yeah, it's interesting. Like I wonder what reason he was giving for taking such an interest in you. Was it like, oh, I miss my brother back home, or oh, you know what I mean? Like, was 
I mean, I, like, was there a reason given or was it just like, I just really vibe. Not I really I, vibe with your 10 year old. <laughs> He's an old yeah, soul. Yeah. I don't know. Todd, teach me about baseball. Yeah. Teach me about the baseball, That's you know? Okay. I'll tell you about baseball. Yeah. So was, I don't know. It always is a weird thing. And then when he, I think it was also because it was part of a church mm-hmm. thing that nobody in the church is going to be bad right. or no one would go to a church to be predatory. Yeah, and we, we know a little more now. You know. Yeah, so just strange. Sorry to bum everybody out, but I, I'm saying if there's somebody that takes a very bizarre interest in one of your children, then... Uh, yeah, if you, if you are getting a weird sense about something, listen to that. Yeah. Upworthy Weekly. <laughs> getting away from that. I don't know that that was very upworthy. Well, but it was though, because we're talking about paying yeah. attention to a gut feeling that no adult. No, had. it's very up. Yeah, very upworthy. Knowing to like watch out and um, for you know, and if you're a, a kid out there, somebody makes you feel uncomfortable in a weird way, and you don't know mm-hmm. why, because they're re- relating to you in a a manner you're unfamiliar right. with. You know. Anyway. Oof. So, uh, speaking of weird, I wrote a story that came out today, and I it just went out on Upworthy.com, so I'm not sure what the reaction is, and uh, I'll, I'll be very interested to find out what happens, but I wrote an article called, Don't Understand Elon Musk? Here's the Theory That Makes Simple Sense of a Complicated Man. I can't wait to hear, because I don't understand what the deal with that guy is. Okay. Just for the beginning of the conversation, are you familiar with the term long ter- uh, uh, long termism? No. Okay. So, uh, I was talking to my buddy, a guy named Mark Chambers, who is um, did a lot of podcast stuff with, and he works in the tech world. And like three weeks ago, he shoots me like a, a message, and it's like I'm going down the long termer um, rabbit hole, and I was like, "What's yeah. that?" Oh, no, now I have to mm. as well. And so then I started reading about it. And this guy wrote this really nice blog about how this philosophy applies to Elon Musk. So I'll read a little excerpt from my article. And basically, I wrote it because I think a lot of people look at what Elon Musk does and they go, this guy doesn't make sense, uh, but he's very powerful. Is the richest man in like world history, has tons of control over everything, and affects people's lives, especially uh, if you're like Allison and you live on Twitter and you don't really live in the real world. You know, it's like someone just bought bought your house. It's like, listen to this. It's like this. I'm an ant. I live on an ant farm, and some guy with hair plugs and other stuff has lifted up my ant farm and they're just waving it all around. It's like I'm a sea monkey in one of those sea terrariums or some other attractive analogy. I'm a bug or a shrimp and they're just waving it around willy-nilly and I'm like, whoa, like that. So it's like getting nauseous, like what's happening? And I just signed up for Mastodon and I hate it and I can't figure it out. And part of me goes, great. You'll finally get off social media. That'd be great for you. And the other part of me is like, Mm-mm, I don't want to. So yeah, what is? And now I feel sick from myself from waving myself around. Now and now I have Stockholm syndrome. Uh, what's long long term charmerism? So uh, Musk is loved by some, hated by others, and for the most part, 
a mystery to all. That is writing, <laughs> Alison Rosen. Oh, is that what is that what that is? Yeah, that's writing. <laughs> how how can someone develop such an incredibly broad, positive vision for humanity while at the same time being able to reduce himself to a Twitter troll? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm just. A Hemingway esque is what that was. I just wasn't ready for such literature to be dropped on me at this hour. No, the Hem- Hemingway version of it is loved, hated, mysterious. You're right. That w- what what did I just hear? Isabel Allende. Who, who would you <laughs> uh, compare yourself to right now, Maya Angelou? Uh, James Joyce. Oh, mostly. okay. Yes, that um, makes sense. Yes, yeah. I say yes. Uh, and he had a strong odor. I dipped bread into the soup. The soup was salty and satisfying. Sorry. I, if you ever read, read it, the, the book A Movable Feast by Ernest Hemingway, you just get hungry because it's just about him mm. eating and drinking in France the whole time. Anyway, uh, three months, months ago, Musk gave a little insight into his inner world and what drives his decision-making. He retweeted a plug for What We Owe the Future, a book by a Scottish philosopher named William McCaskill. But he captioned the real tweet like, this is pretty close to my inner philosophy. And he believes in long-termism, which he defines as the idea that positively influencing the long-term future is a key moral priority of our time. So that basic idea is, in a world with finite amount of resources, it's better for you to take the 10 bucks you have and give it to somebody researching to cure cancer or build a spacecraft, then give it to buy a cold guy a blanket. What a d- Can I say that? Well, but this philosophy... That's also like that eugenics. Who- I'm sorry. I'm having a real reaction. But in a world of finite resources, I'm just going to play devil's advocate, which I know is against God's rules, but I'm not dressing up as devil's advocate. Mm, I'm just yeah. figuratively being that. But let's say that we waste all of our resources on the here and now mm. and don't plan for the future, okay. and then the Earth... We can't live on it anymore, then this species has nowhere to go. But if we're colonized on Mars, and then humanity will survive. Well, right? Okay. For the the sake of argument, let's say that I actually, let's just assume that perhaps this is what he actually is, as opposed to just a weenie. Keep going. Therefore, comma, so if you look at Musk. punctuation. That's right. (laughs) Uh, he developed the Tesla, right? But when he developed it, it was more like when Kennedy said, we're going to the moon. It was like, I'm going to create this crazy thing. And everyone's like, that seems impossible. Mm-hmm. But he set up like a long-term goal. And then he eventually met it to create something that was more sustainable and to go further and look deeper into the future than current car manufacturers who are now trying to catch up. And he's like way ahead, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was to help the planet because of climate change, which does not make him a weenie. I think it makes him a good person. Um, And then he wants to normalize space travel and colonize the moon and Mars for, quote, life insurance for humanity. So again, when the meteor hits, right? When COVID-20 hits, whatever, you know, we've, we've got another place to be. And then finally, the weird one is the Twitter thing. That is the weird one. Uh, seems like it, but if you're a long-termer, mm, mm, like Musk, mm. uh, basically his point is that if we 
I'll just read what's written here. By you. It appears as though, and this was taken from quotes from like guys who are all like in his brain and stuff, and and know all about long termerism. But it, it appears as though Musk believes that the more regressive forms of progressive ideology work to stifle the spread of ideas and opening up the platform to all voices, regardless of how vile they may be, serves the ultimate goal of broadening human potential. Again, so he's sacrificing the short-term problems that hate speech and terrible stuff like that create in favor of long-term ideas that may emerge from the platform if it's not stifled. So obviously people have a big problem with this one, but this is where the guy's head is. My job was not to make Elon Musk into a great guy. The job was to try to explain him. So somebody with that philosophy could make sense of that in a certain way, going, I'm going to make this a free-for-all because it may benefit us down the line because we're not playing into a kind of regressive world where things become more and more controlled, Mm. things become more and more censored, people get more and more easily offended by things the more we clamp down on them, and then certain cool ideas don't get out because they get tamped down because people, uh, they, they might bother somebody or whatever. That's that. That's the way he's thinking, according to this article. I'm not saying it's good or bad. We're just putting. It's it an out interesting there. idea. I mean, that's like saying, let's turn this sewer into like a super sewer. Let's let like already, there's so many blobs of poop just floating along. I want more poop. I want all the poop. Because maybe if we get all the poop, someone ate a diamond and we'll find the diamond if we let more poop in. And it's like, I just think, good luck with that. (laughs) Well, you know, the circle of life, Mm -hmm. Allison. The circle of poop, as South Park had it. (laughs) Finally, for this ultra long explainer, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure we'll get an angry email about. Musk's goal is to, quote, extend the life of consciousness. So he he believes that humans may be the only conscious beings in the universe, right? And so the demise of humanity would effectively snuff out the the universe's ability to know itself. The moment the universe can no longer know itself, it's like it just becomes the desolate, cold rock it becomes the if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it did the tree fall in the woods if the universe is universing and there's nothing conscious enough to experience it then all of this fine uh, amazing beautiful thing can no longer be experienced and is rendered moot so that's it but it. it seems like he's killing twitter is what it seems like i don't know well we'll see i mean as as we record this people he's who knows with that guy though but i mean he's saying that like bankruptcy is not out of the question and like right now the subscription thing where you can sign up and get your check mark um has shut they've closed that because there were so many problems with it but who knows so i know that you're trying to explain him but do you subscribe to this theory uh no okay i don't (laughs) I, i mean well no i think i mean life is about balance right and so you have to you know you have to take care, you know, you have to feed your belly now and also save money for the right. future, right? Uh, yeah, you have to do a bit of both. And this is just a real dramatic way of of enacting that. That's a b- way out of balance. And then also, uh, 
let's just pretend that you had $300 billion and you wanted to do a bunch of crazy stuff like that. This philosophy rationalizes it for mm. you. Because I'm sure in your, you know, he, I don't think the guy's a complete animal. I think he's laying down in bed going, oh, gee, I could, all of my money could stop world right. hunger. Why aren't, why aren't I doing yeah. that? And you go, oh, because I'm actually saving the light of the consciousness of the universe. Then you can rationalize anything but at that point. Why not do both? Yeah. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Allison Rosen, on a scale of one through five, rate your week. One being absolutely horrible and five being transplanted. Um, this week was just like a 3.5. It was just, it was fine. It's kind of mm, nothing really. Um, however, <clears throat> excuse me. Very, very excited about Christmas. We're beginning to get our Christmas decorations out. The children and I are putting some pressure on Daniel to get the tree. We are fake tree people. We've be- at a certain point with dogs and kids, you just go. It's just easy. <laughs> And I deserve that. No. But it's just easier to have no. a fig tree. Uh, we have two fig trees. So we're like, get the, like, I, I don't know why I ever, we ever don't start decorating immediately after Halloween. Um, anyway, uh, I'm very excited to, I put on Christmas music this morning. And... I just, I'm going full bore Christmas now. Oh, um, so that is making me happy. But other than that, okay. <laughs> 3.5. Are you a better person than you were last a week? A tiny bit because, and I feel like I've talked about this before. I exercised twice a lot this week. Um, to the point where my legs felt like noodles because I was, I rode the exercise bike and I did it like to the point of noodly legs. And so that felt mm. good to get off the bike and be like, whoa, I feel wobbly and I feel like I overdid it, which did feel good because it's just been so easy to get out of the habit of exercising. I don't, I haven't struggled like this in it, it ever since July when I had COVID I keep falling out of regular exercise and I had been good for, I feel like for years. Well, when I was pregnant, I was not like regular with it, but I don't know. I feel like I really had gotten into a, like, this is just part of my lifestyle that I, you know, ride the bike for an hour every day, maybe, maybe like five times a week. And now I'm just like, weeks will go by or a large chunk of time will go by. And I'm just like, Man, I love not exercising. So I'm trying to push myself back into it. Uh, so yes, I am a better person. I just am. Good, yeah. good. Todd, what about you on a scale of one to five? One being Elon Musk's poop sewer and five <laughs> being your literature. 
How was your week? And the other thing I wanted to quickly say is that, in my opinion, the language of hatred begins with the self. Thank you for allowing me to go there. I, um, I felt it was important so to bring dry. this concept up. Oh. I just, I just wanted to like double down on the idea that like you know we weren't pro hatred and uh, yeah. Anne Hathaway here is talking about how you know, know hatred begins with the self. Tonight, oh. because I recently overheard a little girl like age. It's just it's so. My week, uh, I'm going to give it a 3.5 as well. Twinsies. twinsies. (laughs) And that's because uh, I had a a fun week. I was very productive this week, which was great. But uh, I'm going to date myself and being that I went to a concert on Wednesday and it was Suede and the Manic Street Preachers. Mm, How 90s. And there was no... Oh, yeah. There was nobody there that wasn't beneath the age of 40 or above the age of 50. Okay. It was like only only people who were around and a certain age group even know who these bands are because they were big, huge in England and, you know, UK and Europe, but not really here. But they came out to do a little back-to-back show and I had a blast and went with some friends and saw some people that I hadn't seen for a long time that I used to like club with because I used to be a part of like the mod Brit pop like English Anglophile mm-hmm. scene in like the uh, late 90s early 2000s I go to all the clubs in Hollywood and so I knew all these people and uh, so I saw some of them just strange like oh wow we're all in our mid 40s <laughs> how are your kids how are your kids how much was your sitter you know so, but it was a fun night, at a blast. So that was all good. Nice. And are you a better person? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am uh, because I've been watching a lot of Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah, it's a good show. Way late to it. Way late. Uh, speaking of being an Anglophile, uh, so yeah, enjoyed that show and learning about the art of forgiving, and about how uh, being a, a good person regardless, I think, is, is the, the message of that show, which is Which cool. season are you on? Uh, I just started two. Mm, nice. Nice. So, yes, yes, yes. ThisSavesLives.com. Get over there. If you're a short-termer, get out there and try to help world hunger. This, ThisSavesLives.com. Uh, buy yourself some uh, cool uh, snack bars that are healthy for the family and go to help kids in a very real way. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, Email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.